0: Hello and welcome all you delightful denizens of darkness. It's Allison Dixon yet again, and I'm back in the house with Chris Armstrong and Beverly Bamberry to continue last week's discussion on the controversial spiritual influencer Teal Swan, who even as we speak is adding followers to her circle of dubious intent. And when we left last week, we were still trying to decide if this is in fact a cult, and although I feel kind of settled in it, but I think that's my own bias at play. But I really want to get to this in a very honest way. And also we were talking about how we'd be getting more into this sort of darker, nitty-gritty, dangerous side of Teal's agenda, if one could call it that. So if you haven't listened to part one, we also get into Teal's background, her childhood, as well as the sort of pitfalls of guru culture. So definitely go and check that out because we're kind of just going to continue more or less where we left off. However, I want to kind of lead this discussion off on a very important thing. And any of you who have already been familiar with Teal Swan and you're just listening to this because you're trying to collect all the info you can on her, I just welcome you to go Google her image search. If you haven't done this yet to get a good look at this lady, I just want to ask the general question, hot or not? My husband says yes. <laughs> I was going to um, say we're all a little different here. I'm I'm mostly heterosexual. Um so I'll call myself out. We're all we all come from different types and backgrounds here. So we're going to just be as objective as we can <laughs> or subjective. This is a subjective I, opinion after all, so.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, yeah, looking at her, she's clearly traditionally attractive. I mean, you know, like maybe she could update her look from the 90s, just a teensy, teensy bit. But, you know, I mean, who am I to judge? I'm not fashionable. (laughs) And
0: and here's the thing. I want to preface this before I let Chris answer, by the way, by saying that we're going to talk about her appearance specifically because it's part of her package. And I I am normally not one to highlight too much on anybody's physical appearance because we don't want to be picked on that way. And it's not my intent to... Uh, pick on her necessarily, but more to analyze her, the way she looks and the way she uses her looks to get where she is. And we already mentioned that in the previous, I think Beverly had written that great note said the looks make a difference. I think it was what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, So Chris, is she hot or not, man? What do you think? I
2: know now yeah. this is coming from a, a gay man. So, you know, it's like where <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? right. You know, there, let's, let's
2: just be clear about that. But I think I would say she has like an average attractiveness. Mm -hmm. She's not super attractive. She's not unattractive. I think she's somewhere in the middle. And Allison, I don't know how much you want to talk about this off the outset, but you and I have voice messages back and forth to each other like multi times a day, half the time. Yeah. And we've been talking a lot about her. And I was like, you know, I feel like she's attractive enough that she's like an attainable person to most people out there. Right. Whereas like, if she looked like a supermodel, you know, we were talking about like George Clooney, right? Like you can be like George Clooney is a a handsome man. Yeah. But I am not in any stratosphere of Clooney or Idris Elba, right? Like we're talking about people like that, right? She's in that category of like, she's not a supermodel, but she's attractive enough that there is an appeal to her. And it coincides with the appeal that she brings just in her, presence like she is not an unappealing person in many ways i think we all Mm -hmm. were kind of like in some ways drawn into her and i think Mm -hmm. her appearance is part of it and you know Allison, i think we were talking about this a little bit it's like there's a lot of sexual repression in our culture
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and so somebody who's willing to be not even sexualized but just unencumbered by
0: that yeah, she's uninhibited sexually. Like she does not hold any of that in. She it's not like she dresses in a a particularly sultry way. She no. she wears low cut tops. She wears you know. Pink, I've seen pink, people walking down you, the street you know, very much. I was like
1: I wear low cut tops too. Though I yeah. mean, I I personally and now I will I will tell you I have not done as much research as you. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna stipulate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I. I don't think she seems that sexualized at all personally. I just think that her attractiveness helps if she like were a short and fat middle-aged person like me, like maybe her following wouldn't be as big because you know what I mean? I, because we all have under underlying somewhere.
0: That was what I think, but you may know stuff. I don't know <laughs> what I got. And and I think, again, this, this is a highly personalized kind of thing. Like, um, mm-hmm. so again, like, yeah, Chris, you're a gay guy. You're not going to be attracted to her regardless um, in that way. And, and, and so for me, like when I was watching the deep end, I found my eye kind of like picking up on certain things. Like, I think she was wearing like an ankle bracelet and she had tattooed, like certain tattoos, the way the tattoos mm-hmm. were placed. And then her hair, she has this long, dark hair, and she always keeps it swept over one shoulder. It's a <laughs> silky mane. I call it a silky mane. You know who she reminds me of is Evangeline Lily, who was in Lost, yeah. and she is also like in The Hobbit, and she's played an elf. So she has that elvish look about mm-hmm. her. I think you mentioned, did you mention Liv Tyler? Or maybe I was thinking oh, of somebody yeah. else. Somebody mentioned yeah. that maybe on another podcast. I can't I even can remember. Too. But there is something about her that's, that looks kind of like a fantasy girl, you know, like or a woman, like a fantasy woman. Like the genre of fantasy. I'll just say I can see the appeal uh, physically. Mm -hmm. And in in the deep end, when she was in Blake's, I think she was in Blake's room. She was on his Mm -hmm. bed and she had her legs stretched out. And he was talking to her about his new girlfriend and how he was going to bring her in. And she was so subtly trying to sexually, and she was talking about their sexual relationship and their relationship in general and how, you know, it might change with this uh, Juliana girl coming in to the circle and all this stuff. And it was like, she is like very subtly asserting her sexual dominance on him. I was just totally picking up on it. I think because I just know people that have done this. I'm just getting the sense she was putting the thing out there that was almost like, I still have my mark on you. We still have this thing. You know? I agree with
1: you, but I will say I didn't see it necessarily personally as, as, as sexualized per se so much as just it just fits into how controlling she is overall it's,
2: it's a tool it's like, in her manipulation yeah. Belt. yeah
0: the first impression of her and that's all part of that package too right like she's putting her best foot forward. when you look at her um at one of her uh speaking engagements right the way she comes out onto the stage and she's just like you know, she just has a presence, you know, this look mm-hmm. and, and she's so put together and, and, and really she doesn't look buttoned up at all. She looks very free. It's a c- complete opposite. Mm-hmm. You can see a little bit of that hippie upbringing that you talked about earlier, like her parents. And there's a bit of that kind of like freedom, but I also like felt like, man, she would, pro- <laughs> this is bordering bordering on sounding tasteless. But, and I mentioned this to Chris again in our voice messages, but uh, like, she's given me Dom, dominatrix type vibes. Like I just imagine her, behind the curtain as just like, whoosh, you know what I mean? Just like, and I was doing a whip sound, a whip gesture. <laughs> you know, anybody who's listening to this right now, I just, I was getting that because there was like a power. And mm-hmm. to me, sex and power are very much, um, you know, they're like a yin and yang. They play together. They're, they're in the mm-hmm. mix, you know? So I just feel like it's just all kind of like exuding this like powerful sexiness, but it's not like sex, sex. It's just like, Mm, there's just something there and uh, like I I don't I can't quite put my finger on it but I feel like she utilizes it so well I don't I will tell you I don't Agree with you,
1: and that's okay. Okay. Um, I just think that in general, people and women in particular just want to look their best when they're in front of people. When I'm, when I, when I'm doing something like when I was doing videos for my clients and stuff, I put on makeup and did my oh, hair, yeah. oh, and yeah. I I hair. and I love wearing hair makeup. Like
0: absolutely. I just, I just I totally don't know that it.
1: some of the stuff you're saying is really any different from what I do, and I don't want to. I mean, there's so much wrong with her that I don't want to like cast stones at the wrong thing necessarily, but no, no, I I definitely don't
0: want to say this as a criticism. What I, what I Mm -hmm. do think though, is that I I think her, she uses her looks to get further and deeper and to draw people in ultimately, I think is what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She was blessed with reasonably good looks and she, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. And I think she knows that what all research shows is that people who are taller and people who are more attractive are more persuasive. People are mm-hmm. more attracted to them. Again, not necessarily sexually, but just there's there's an attraction. And
0: that's that's just the reality. And she seems to be a fairly tall woman. It's like those subtle human biases. Like, for instance, like there hasn't been an American president under six feet tall in decades you know and it, since the tv age you know yeah. since we've been able to like photograph them and uh, maybe with the exception of we couldn't really say that about fdr cuz you know he was uh, in a in a wheelchair we don't sitting. know what his height yeah <laughs> so yeah. Um, but ultimately there is this bias i think that we have. And if you happen to be very shrewd and calculating the way that she is, I think you're able to look at your assets and play them up in a way that is, yeah. And admittedly, yeah, I love wearing my makeup. I love going out. And if I am trying to impress someone, absolutely, literally, I'm going to doll myself up because yeah, I'm going to, I'm trying to sell myself as like a, put together person, um, even if it's bullshit. Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) well, and the the only other thing I would say about that too, is it also just plays into the, the guru mentality. Mm -hmm. There's off there's, you know, which coincides with the hippie mentality and and upbringing where it is very much more sexually liberating, sexually free, Mm -hmm. not as like cover myself up, not as much. Like there's just not that inhibition. And I think, you know, all of those are factors. I, I don't think she's super sex forward no, i don't think no, she no 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 what she wields as a weapon is not her sexuality it's her words every single word out of her mouth is incisive manipulative cutting and cunning it is every single thing she says is a weapon and i just think the sexuality is she knows it's a charm she can work on certain people Mm -hmm. And I think for her fans, it's more of, look at me. I look put together. I'm a nice looking person. Mm -hmm. Cause I think she knows that that is going to draw people in.
0: Looks again. If we want to flip the script a little bit away from say, looking very, you know, conventionally attractive the way that she does, let's look at heaven's gate. Um, This was a group of very cloistered individuals who you know they didn't do themselves up hot. they in fact were hot Hotty. hot <laughs> yeah, every I'm single one. one of them man every time i see a pair of nikes listen you know i've got a
2: calendar on my wall i need you two not to judge me right now <laughs> i <I've> got have them skate
1: you've but, got you know, you've got your uh, your what is it they call themselves something in dough Oh, and Do- and Do- mm-hmm. Yeah, Marshall. No, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. But look at them. I mean, they 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 were that was not part of it. In fact, they were all about the kind of minimalistic right. aspect. And of course, they were, you know, not not in that conventional realm. But the, again, that aesthetic was part of the package of selling the thing that they were trying mm-hmm. to sell. I, I think also she's trying to sell herself as this celestial being, as she is, or this mm, uh, clairvoyance, sure. this this. Angelic alien lady, um, you know, this person who believes that she's, you know, lived all these previous lives or, you know, whatever. And I'm trying to put myself into the mind of one of her fans because I feel like that's mm-hmm. really important to understand what makes this person so powerful. And I was sitting in that audience and I saw her walk out. And, and like I said myself, the first time I, I laid eyes on her, I was like, huh, you know, and, and it's like, oh, okay because <laughs> it wasn't it was absolutely not like a uh or mm, it's kind of funny because you know? i actually got a weird vibe off of her the first
1: time i saw before yeah. i even knew any her, somebody had said something about some video and i watched it and i was like "Ooh, i do not like this person i'm mm-hmm. like okay so i'm i'm bisexual i do not find her attractive but i i am very much about the vibe mm-hmm. so for me like sexiness isn't all about looks not that i yeah. don't look at looks obviously, but you know, like like if somebody gives me weird vibe, but I mean, I don't believe in psychic powers, but Mm -hmm. I am definitely somebody who's very, very sensitive to very small signals to the point where I have been accused of being psychic. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, I pick up on people's tics and vibes super, super early. And I think I picked up on hers right away. Something yeah.
0: about the set of the job. For me, it was, again, the eyebrows. I kept going back to them because I'm like, she shaped them and plucked them in such a way that looks very like it makes her look serious. And I'm like, yeah. okay, she's putting a lot of effort into this look. Yeah. And, and again, that was like 2000s over that I personally suffer from because I went through a bit, a bit of that confession back in the day. <laughs> and so it I used happened to a lot of them. I used to have very thick and healthy, Mm -hmm. bushy eyebrows. And then I, oh, I murdered them. But anyway, there's like a vanity there. That's what I Mm -hmm. kind of picked up on. And then the way she started talking and I want to talk about her voice because I really, Mm -hmm. truly feel like the tone. And the delivery and the way that she speaks, Chris is kind of like a master impersonator. He's very good at doing voices and picking up on the way people talk, and he can imitate them pretty well. You you were saying this morning, Chris, like you haven't been able to nail a teal swan impression. Well, you
2: know, I might need to hear it a little bit more. Like part of it is I just have to like experience it more. Um, oh, cause we we're talking about Elizabeth Holmes and we're, yeah. we're all going to change the world together. Oh, you know, she just has that kind of like, voice. <laughs> she's like almost a, uh, in witness protection program. You know, I, I, will say personally, I did not find Teal's voice or delivery that noticeable in her videos. It's very calm and relaxing. Again, that yeah. just jives with guru, spiritual mm-hmm. meditative journey, kind of a thing. But like when she's on stage, she doesn't talk like that. It's a very different voice. And it's just with confidence. So, like, yeah, I maybe that's what it is. I can imitate more exaggerated voices. And I think hers is so normal, if you will. Mm It's ground,
0: it's like ultra grounded. Like there is a Mm. it is anchored. It is like firm. Like there's some very clipped. Yes. Yeah. And and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's
2: the cadence. I think Mm -hmm. that I could emulate if I heard her say more things, the way that she speaks, but again, it's that deafness. I'm going to turn it around as a weapon where someone says something. She's like, well, what I'm seeing right here from you is this. And you think I'm this. Oh God. There's that whole scene where she has that confrontation with Juliana and the circle. Oh Oh, dear God. And she's like, you think I'm this, you think I'm this. And then she's like, I'm going to go around the room. Everybody. I'm going to go around the room and you tell me what you think juliana is thinking and basically everyone goes around like i think you think she's a bitch and that women shouldn't this and that Mm -hmm. it was you could basically tell like everyone was telegraphing their own deep down thoughts but total like projection onto juliana and they're just parodying and i was like this is the most disgusting scene ever
0: i couldn't even believe it was real like it felt almost like what a movie it, it felt like a movie but that's one of those things actually that
1: happens in cults though yeah. is there's public mm-hmm. shaming or pu- well sorry within group shaming is that shaming and that ganging up is actually frequently a part of cults and other toxic groups such as the one i mentioned in the last episode like there there's a lot of that and um you know, the fact is she made her participants participate, essentially. Yes. Like, I actually, other than maybe one person who seemed to overly delight in being nasty to Juliana herself, um, people, I definitely felt like they're like, well, we have to do this. Our teal's going to hate us and be mad at us. And we can't have that.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is I think she has a sense of. Mystique about her, which I think you know. When we talk about charisma with cult leaders and how, like, some of them don't seem all that charismatic, like T and Doe, for instance, I don't, I didn't <laughs> find them particularly. Or the Rajneesh, I would, I would not say charismatic. However, there is, you can't have the charisma or you can't have the package. I think of the cult leader without that mystique, without that mystery, and so I think Rajneesh kind of pulled more from the esoteric side of like, mm-hmm. you know, I am elevated beyond this world. And I think Teal's doing a good bit of that too. In fact, the um the friend Tori, who that I mentioned uh, in the last episode that talked about her experiences were with her in the early days, um, in fact, uh, Teal has all these books on the occult and and all these other mm-hmm. esoteric books because she pulls from all of them, you know, the alien stuff and all that. Like that's all part of that package, that mystery. And then she, of course, she tells people that she's an alien or she tells people that she has these abilities. And so, you know, that, that further adds to it. It's like, but when she speaks and when she's looking directly at you and she has these, you know, blue eyes, it's just kind of like I hate the phrase piercing blue eyes as a they writer are piercing, when you hear that they are though. <laughs> I mean, it's not just a, a cliche ripped out of a Stephanie Meyer book, but they are quite piercing. And so she has this, it's, I don't want to say hypnotic, but there's something like when she's talking to people and she's very like, again, holds things very close. Bengali-like, I would say. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think that's that's very, very accurate. And again, that's all part of the packaged commodity. I think that's why, again, I'm bringing all up all the looks and the way she talks and the way she dresses and the way she presents herself is because, again, it's the commodity that she is selling and it is all built piece by piece. She knows exactly what she's doing And everybody that has been in this inner circle and that has gotten out has expressed that it's all part Mm -hmm. of it. So she tightly controls every aspect that people see of her. It's only whenever you get to that behind the scenes inner circle look like that we would see in the deep end where I think we mentioned that mask comes off.
1: That is part of why I was just surprised someone like her would even have allowed his team in and that's why I'm saying I think she thinks that they were going to be complimentary like when Molly gives her report and mm-hmm. Molly's like well you know there's these things on the cult checklist and Teal actually goes oh, oh sorry you cannot see my facial expression but jaw drop looking like how dare you kind of right. an expression and it's like, she's just so shocked someone's speaking to her this way. And
2: Molly was straight from the outset. I'm coming in objective. I I mean, she was so freaking clear about her approach, but I think you're right. There is a bit of like denialism about what she's even doing to a pathological liar. I don't know what reality is. Mm-hmm. I really and and they truly don't, don't, don't either. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that's, I think ultimately the, the struggle is nobody knows what the reality is because there is none. It's all made up every time they speak, it's a new reality. And she reminds me so much of a certain former president Mm. that it is Mm -hmm. mind boggling more so than a cult. That's who I think of all the time. Like it is like, these are two types of the same kind of personality, profound narcissism, you know, all, all the different, you know, traits we've kind of talked about and more we can, but that, to me, was what was so interesting. And the documentary, uh, the director and the crew, it's Casby is the guy's name. I'm trying to remember. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. John Casby. So, you know, he basically said, we said all along, this is how we're going to approach it. Anytime you want us to stop filming, you tell us. Yes. <gasps> You say, like, they were very clear. They're like, you have control here. We're here to be a fly on the wall. But if you say stop recording, we stop recording. Right. And he said, like, they did a little bit at the beginning. But once they got familiar with the cameras there, the whole, you know, that's what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. Real world. (laughs) Kill swan. (laughs) And so... They, they let their guard down and no one else in the inner circle is going to say anything. Right. And I think she's so delusional that she thought Beverly to your point, she I think was completely convinced that like, this is reality to me. So of course they're going to come back and say no, you're not a cult. And of course this documentary is going to be put together and it's going to show what an amazing person she is.
0: Of course. What's interesting too is how you even see things in the documentary where she knows that certain moments will look bad for her and she's pissed about it it you know remember the guy who uh admitted in the deep end that he was attracted to her oh yeah he's actually somebody i wouldn't mind discussing briefly go ahead though Yeah, no 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 absolutely i because i feel like that is a a moment where we get to peek behind the mask and i think that might be another reason why i was probably talking a little bit about the looks and attractive factor is because I don't think he's alone in that. And I feel like a lot of people that uh, maybe even men or women who were attracted to her um, would go to the retreat just to be close to her.
2: And can you speak to exactly what that was like for people who haven't seen the documentary? It's been a while.
0: Beverly, I will let you do that because you're the most recent watcher of this. I literally
1: finished watching it again today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There, there. Where in in the quote practice of what Teal does at her retreats, where she has these talks with people about like what their major malfunction is or whatever, <laughs> and um, Amir, she's trying to get Amir or Emir, I don't know how he pronounces it, uh, to I guess admit to what his issues are because he's struggling, um, and then he says, "Well, I'm here to spend time with you." Now that is what happens in the scene, and then afterwards, Teal is fucking. Pissed. oh
0: she went and off Like,
1: I and I I under, I will say that was one of the few times I actually related it's mm-hmm. like dude I'm trying to do a serious thing here why do men always want to think about fucking us constantly yeah, ah. yeah. Like, like I, just, I did kind of get that but her reaction was up at an 11 where maybe it needed to be down at a three because he didn't touch her or even make a move toward her he was just sitting there yeah. and the one thing I just wanted to say about Emmer um, is he is clearly very mentally ill and and yeah. i mean literally like and he said his mom committed suicide right and uh and and so i think there is something wrong and i think the fact that she just doesn't even encourage him to go and see a doctor, which is what the poor man probably needs.
0: Yeah. She made it about her and the way it would make her look. And, you know, when you're dealing with, if you consider yourself a mental health professional, quote unquote, and, so, and, and somebody says that to you, maybe internally you think, oh Jesus, you know, I'm not going to fuck you, dude, whatever. Right. But, yeah. But you're, you are thinking, okay, let's move beyond that. Let's get into this. But immediately she made herself the victim. But this is the problem where she's not a
2: licensed clinician. Right. She's right. not a counselor because this is not an uncommon practice in therapy for people who are experiencing something like this to form some kind of attraction it's like for the therapist. Right? Well, I was it's to transference. Transfer. Yeah, it's transference because this is someone paying attention to you and validating you and you know talking with you when someone else may not. And the and her whole thing is, well, how do I deal with this? well, you would know how to deal with it if you were actually practicing therapy the way you should, which is you are trained and licensed to do so. And somebody who is, would know how to deal with that. That is part of what you learn as a therapist as part of your degree. And, you know, Beverly, to your point, I was like, oh God, not another guy doing this. This is so gross. Like I totally get that reaction, but then I was, but then as I sat there and thought about it more, but I was like, well, no, this is something that, She's treading water She has no business being in. And to both mm-hmm. your points, this man needs actual help.
1: His eyes are very wide. He's very twitchy. Like, like I would be unsurprised if he had a schizophrenia diagnosis again, <sighs> not saying he does. I would be unsurprised because I've known other people who do, and they look very similar. The affect is very similar. Um, it, to your point about making it about her, there's another scene where there's a young lady, Sabrina, who tells Teal at one point, this is bullshit. I feel worse than I did oh, when I started. Yes. And she speaks up to Teal. And I was like, Sabrina, I'm so proud of you. Although she's so severely depressed. There's a point where she's up in her room at the retreat, bawling her eyes out, Sabrina. And they go to check on her and Teal looks angry. Mm-hmm. And she says, Oh, if she kills herself, they're just going to say she was at one of those teal swan retreats.
0: It was the Joe, the, the Tiger Kings, I'll never financially recover from this moment in, in the documentary. Like after the <sighs> person gets their arm bit off by a tiger that. and that. And that's one of those points. The first time I watched it, I actually just cried
1: because I was so angry. Yeah. I was like, this poor woman. And then they basically go waterboard Sabrina uh, yes. in a swimming pool and then yeah, break sure her do. spirit again. I mean, I I just wish i could take that poor girl away and just get her some doesn't help she say i something. love
2: you after that She does. Oh my well, God. first of all
1: they push her on they well okay so teal calls it water breaths it's essentially her shoving somebody or or not her directly one of her cronies shoving somebody under the water repeatedly when they pull sabrina out she's semi-conscious and twitching Yeah. Yeah. And then at some point she's weeping and she looks up at Teal and says, I love you. But I believe it was like waterboarding and I believe it Mm -hmm. was like a torture. And I believe that they wanted to break her spirit. And I'll tell you one of the most amazing things the documentarians did in that scene is they were showing people's reactions to what was going on. Mm -hmm. And everyone's cringing. Everyone's going, oh, God, oh, God, like cringing, cringing. And Teal, completely impassive. Just watching like nothing is happening, even though this woman is near drowning, and, and just everyone's reacting, but Teal who is just completely. I think she dead. almost
0: wanted her to, and then, and I, again that mask comes off because I don't understand honestly. The more you watch her, and the more that you watch her talk, I don't know how people get drawn in to see. Thing. It's it's again to mention the the former guy. I don't get how people look at him and see confidence and intelligence. A complete opposite, like can't get any further away without coming back around the other side opposite and here you look at her I do not see a compassionate loving not at all person even like I said from that from the get-go you mm-hmm. know yeah I first noted okay kind of mature you know she's a pretty lady and then I noticed cold anchored uh very like impassive like hard um mm-hmm. you know I'm not getting this like vibe from her that I would want to tell her all of my deepest, darkest secrets. She's not nurturing at all. There's almost like a part of a person that's deeply traumatized and hurt that doesn't think that they're worthy of love that I think that's the part that's reaching out and going like, I guess this is her. This is the one because that's all they know.
2: And you have to like zoom in on what she says a few times, which is this is a really powerful method and what she's saying about these powerful methods, which Beverly, hundred percent waterboarding torture. Like Mm -hmm. most of us don't think that we should do this to, you know, um, terrorists, uh, terrorists, (laughs) let alone people at a retreat for healing. And basically what she's saying is this is a desperate person that requires a desperate circumstance. And this is one of the most powerful things you'll ever see. So she doesn't have to be caring because what she's basically saying is I have to go to this extreme because this person is so badly broken. And Part of her cycle, of course, is if you get better, I did my job well. If you don't get better, you are too far gone.
1: It's your fault if you don't get better, not but mine.
2: Because you can kill yourself and press the reset button
0: and you'll just be reincarnated. And we will get into that in a second because I, I do want to talk about as while we're slowly unpeeling these layers of her is um, back to the article that I mentioned from the friend of hers the Tory friend, she was a rape victim and she, she and Teal were very close friends at one time. And again, around 2011, 2012. And uh, she told Teal all about, you know, what happened to her trusted her and all this. And it turns out that uh, the rapist was a, a business partner of Teal's that she had parted from very briefly, but once she heard about the rape, she already knew about the rape. She went and restarted the work relationship with him because he owned the network for the YouTube channel uh, or whatnot. And she said that she, I'm going to quote her. This is what the woman says um, that Mm -hmm. Teal said. She said, it's business. And besides, I don't believe you were raped. You just have shitty boundaries. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, exactly.
2: Oh my God. And
0: then when asked again, Teal explained that she was just trying to make her site rank higher on the Alexa rating because she was in like the 100,000s. And this channel was like in the hundreds. So she took this like excuse, like rather than take any kind of accountability for making this decision. She's like, no, you, you weren't raped.
1: Just want to hug Tori now. I don't even know her. And I feel so bad that that happened to her. Cause what bullshit. Especially since, Teal, like her whole thing is about, oh, how terribly abused she was.
0: And we're supposed to believe her ridiculous stories. Oh, but did you also know that in addition to her not thinking her friend was raped because she wanted to make a business decision that benefited her, um, she also... she's kind of a Ted Bundy fan. I discovered this as well. Um, And there's videos of this out there, but I found these on Reddit. If you dive deep on Reddit, man, you'll find some stuff on her. Um, So here, here is a statement that she has said about Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy wasn't a bad person or Ted Bundy is a good person. Just because someone takes a bad action doesn't mean the whole person is bad. The action is bad. The person behind the action is like the universe benevolent Ted Bundy felt very powerless and empty in general, which meant that moving from that space in the violent actions where he dominated his victims felt like relief to him. What that means is the entire reason for doing what he did came from one desire, to feel better. He wanted, like all of us, to be happy. And while he was wrong about what would ultimately cause him to feel better, one cannot say that the motivation at the deepest root of all his crimes to feel relief was a bad motivation. It's the same motivation all of us had. And then she like goes on and on and on about this, like, do, do we know that that's true? Like, is it on one of her videos? It is. is yeah, actually- there's there's receipts to all this. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Um, she she has very morbid fascinations. She has videos where she talks about necrophilia. She has videos where she talks about rape and all these other very taboo. I, I'm subjects. into
1: morbid shit too. Like, I get. That, oh but no! Anyway, but I mean, it's yeah, like Chris. You were trying to say something. Yeah. Did you have something to say? Oh no.
2: Sorry, I'm always sorry, trying to sorry. say it. it no, we're like all
1: wanting to jump
2: in because this is I just mind bending. It's so much.
1: It's, so, no, it's such I, a meaty I, topic.
2: Here's the problem with her I don't even know that she truly believes that. I think she's saying that to get a rise, number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get a reaction mm-hmm. to your guys's points. She's just trying to say shit to stir. Up. She is literally the epitome of, I'm going to fuck around and find out. Like that
0: is like, she embodies that spirit. I, well, I think she really wants to see how, how much yeah. she's holding people. It's a power yeah. check. And right? usually that's
2: a cautionary tale. Like, all right, we'll fuck around see what happens. But she's just like, I fuck around. I can't wait to find out. She, and she if,
0: fails upwards. She fails upwards constantly. The rhetorical yeah. equivalent of saying I could shoot someone on Madison Avenue and I would get, you know, I would win more votes. Or, you know, and so, yeah. And so, like, I think she says
2: it for that reason. And I think it's a sinister twofold, which is if I can create something that sounds logical, that Ted Bundy's not a bad person, wow, she must think that the shit I did, which isn't that bad, but it's not great, there's hope for me. Maybe I need to yeah, hear more point. about what this enlightened person needs to say. I think it's too far.
0: He just wanted to feel better. I mean, you know, like
2: for somebody in crisis, for somebody who's had those dark thoughts <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatever, and like, oh, I feel this is bad. And, and she says something like that. There's a small comfort to that person to be like, well, fuck, maybe mm-hmm. that's true. And if that's true for him. Well, then I'm not such a terrible person.
1: What, what's this? Let me, let me find another teal video. Yeah. Because people who are coming to her. In fact, I wrote this down. Um, <clears throat> Hold on. Oh, it was in the Sabrina part. I wrote a lot about that. Cause I had so many thoughts and feelings. Oh, the Sabrina but- thing oh, is just. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, let's see. Sabrina even tells teal that the people who find her are people with nothing left to lose or rather, excuse me. Teal says to Sabrina and she says, do you know how much pain somebody has to be in to come to me? So her raison d'etre is attracting vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. She says it right there.
0: Oh, yeah. And this is, I think, a great segue into suicide because Mm. now I know there are a couple potential victims, we'll just say, um, Mm -hmm. of teal in this manner. Um, I got to be careful with my phrasing here. Um, but uh this is from that same Tory person where she talks about their friend Leslie, who committed suicide in 2013. And Tori says, I met her earlier that year and didn't know her well, but she would reach out when she was sad. It struck me as odd when Teal, her husband, and I were sitting there talking about it that her reaction was to say, in paraphrase, I'm not upset because she's dead. I'm upset about the fact that I lost a client and that it could hurt my credibility. It blew me away, and I just sat there. A few days later, we both attended Leslie's funeral. Blake had set up a camera, and Teal was the last person to speak. She introduced herself as Leslie's spiritual guide, stating suicide is never the answer. However, a week or so later... Uh, Teal released her first video on suicide, calling suicide a reset button, referencing to what you said earlier, Chris. As someone who's been there before, Teal made suicide sound like a siren's call. I knew that pull. Mm -hmm. I know what it feels like to want it, but she would take out the hardest part for a lot of people with her words. It's just a step off the curb. Yes, I related to that. I related to her, but it wasn't right. As someone who has been suicidal, who has dealt with self-harm, borderline personality disorder and bipolar, I found myself needing to step back away again. It was too much for a person struggling with mental illness already to handle. I began to notice that Teal had an effect on people. She sets herself up to be that way. And she sets up those that follow her to be manipulated. She's calculated and watched for reaction. She makes you believe that she's inside your head. She makes you believe that she sees the truth. The truth is she likes the control, the power over other people. So Teal, uh, later during a synchronization workshop, she calls these, oh, by the way, her uh, little talks that she does, they're called like synchronization workshop In Santa Barbara, she would mention Leslie, and she mentioned her only as her quote, first client lost to suicide, stating that they had quote, that very serious sit down talk was Leslie going to commit to life or not. Teal mentioned that the answer to the question was, no, I'm done. So there's nothing any healer could ever do for that type of vibration, which is totally fine. That's what Teal said. She, she went on to tell her audience in a humorous tone that Leslie's death was in vain as she reincarnated two days later into the same situation that caused her to leave this life. The audience laughed. They all laughed at Leslie. That's, that's her friend. That's yeah. painful.
1: That is really painful to hear. Mm-hmm. I, like many of us have lost a friend to suicide, a very close friend. And, uh, I just can't even, I cannot have them
0: approaching mm-hmm. it that way. I just cannot and even. Of course, it. she never, as you mentioned, with Amir from the deep end, is that never recommended that Leslie see a doctor, go to the hospital when she was presenting with these suicidal ideations. Not a goddamn thing she didn't do. A damn thing. All she did say was, "You're you're beyond my reach." Well,
2: and we should be really clear in terms of what her techniques and practices are, which is to say waterboarding as a trauma treatment. That's number one. (laughs) But number two is, you know, what she'll say is I don't tell people to kill themselves. I encourage them to imagine their suicide and then choose life. That's what she's saying. She's doing That's what she said. Yeah. So let's be really clear like that. She's not saying like, I mean, she has told people close to her who betray her air quotes you're better off dead, you know, she's, Mm -hmm. she's, she's she's not, (laughs) I'm not uh, dismissing any of anything that she's done, but that is how she will defend herself is like, well, no, I'm telling people to choose life. But in order to do that, you have to envision your own suicide, which by any measure of anybody who is a mental health, suicide prevention, counseling, you know, again, people with clear understanding, true understanding of what this is, There's a, there is absolutely no benefit in any circumstance where encouraging someone to have thoughts of suicide or imagine being dead is ever recommended helpful. No, no, no case, no case whatsoever.
1: There's the Indiana girl. I don't remember anyone's names, but the young lady that was texting her boyfriend, encouraging him to kill himself.
0: He tried to get out of the car and she told him to get back in.
1: Yeah. And it actually, I actually thought of her. As almost like when I was watching, sorry, I'm pointing to my TV. <laughs> when I was watching <laughs> the deep end again today, I kind of made me think of 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 that person as well. Yes. And it makes it made me wonder, and here's where I'm going to say again, this is my opinion uh only, but it made me wonder if there isn't a part of Teal that actually just likes when people die and that they're connected to her. Like maybe she has a tiny
0: little bit of serial killer in her heart somewhere. Well,
2: she's loving some Ted Bundy. So, you
0: know, I don't only agree with your opinion. I'm going to double down on that opinion and say that the longer this goes on, the more that I think that this will become a suicide cult Mm -hmm. and it already kind of is in some respects because of the open acceptance and encouragement in a way. Um, When Mm -hmm. you, when you train people to identify suicide as a reset button, as, as a release, as a relief, as a thing. No, you are not saying, Oh, I'm going to have you trivialize this thing. So you can then set it aside. An extremely depressed person doesn't have the strength to move a fucking muscle, let alone to set aside that beautiful thing. You just painted for them that reinforces the thoughts they're already having that they want out. I'm kind of glad that I'm not the only one that
1: feels that way, to be honest, because I was feeling slightly bad about it, but I don't anymore.
0: (laughs) The fact, too, um, in the Tory, uh, to wrap that up, this was written back in 2018, I think. But she mentioned there was a video placed recently. So this is probably a few years old, but it contains 40 minutes of nothing but Teal speaking of suicide, glorifying suicide, and coaxing guests on stage into believing that there is nothing wrong with suicide. That is her M.O., you know, this is to me like her end game in a way. I do not You're think right. she, so she puts out the thing that she's trying to save people. That's how you get them in. Oh, and the other thing that she does and then she did with Tori that didn't quite work Um, when they were best friends, like early on, you know, and they lived together and they they were very close and she was trying to insert memories into Tori's mind, trying to convince her that she too was part of this sex cult. I even try to convince her that she was also an alien. She tried to like convince her of this stuff using these same techniques that were probably used on her by the uh Barbara. She um, was practicing. Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah. Practicing. And then, and then later on when Tori started questioning her and doubting her and all this, Then she flipped it and said, you know what? I think somebody sent you from the cult to try to send me back and I'm never going back. And so then she painted her as the enemy and then was (laughs) cast out. So yeah, that's how that ended up going. And of course, if you go to, I'll post the link to this article that she wrote. If you go to the comments on it, Mm -hmm. it's so many of Teal's fans are just coming after her like hardcore. It's- um, Well, that's what
1: they do. And speaking of the uh, former president- I was mm-hmm. telling my husband earlier, like the enablers around somebody like Teal Swan are something that he has too, except for it's thousands and thousands and thousands and millions of voters, and, yeah. and it's like because they all will embrace the things that are so clearly and provably not true. Yeah. So yeah. it's almost like they're the same mindset as that inner circle,
0: and it is kind of its own death cult in its own way. When we consider things like COVID and and how many. I mean, you know, and I, and I will, people will accuse me of being political here, but it, it's backed up by statistics that more of his fans died. Well,
2: let's not also mention, speaking of ritual abuse, right? Pizzagate. There's yes. this whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, oh, oh, someone tried to go in and free the children. Lo and behold, there's not even a basement in this she, pizza parlor. There's, where, no, you mean, know, there's,
1: no, there's basement no basement in the, in the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I forgot but, about that part But of it. it's like. Jeez.
2: I do want to go back to the false memories, though, because the more I keep hearing, and again, it's consistent, we're not hearing from one or two people who stray. It is like an endless cascade, and the stories always sync up. I think if she suffered any real trauma in childhood, it feels more to me that she had some kind, or I'm thinking a cluster of mental disorders, Mm
1: -hmm. personality disorders. Yep.
2: I think personality, first and foremost, narcissism, borderline, you see Mm -hmm. a lot of those like co-mingling and I don't think it's uncommon. I think that's at sort of the heart of it. And I think, I think the, the trauma she may have experienced from Barbara Snow is around false memory implantation. What I don't fully feel, I understand because she's so manipulative is, did she, Know about that and say this is a tool I can use, or did she actually Mm -hmm. experience it? And here's one reason why. And I forgot to mention this earlier. She she actually had cuts and on her arms that he said were suicide attempts. Well, according to Doc, again, this is according to her alleged abuser. So, Mm -hmm. but we talked about him last episode. She scratched herself because someone else she knew, a friend of hers, had tried to cut herself, and she saw the attention that that got. This person who was in crisis, she manufactured that. And even lo and behold, at the beginning of the deep end, I had Mm -hmm. these tattoos over the scars that I, you know, there's a sense that she self-inflicted because she knew the attention. And so I, I cannot help, but wonder if this doesn't all just go back to a very deep set mental disorder.
0: I would also say possible histrionic possibly as well. well. uh,
2: Borderline histrionic narcissist. And I think she even said schizotypal uh, personality disorder was how she was diagnosed by one
0: clinician, but like she was young. mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I
2: mean, there's an antisocial behavior here as well. I mean, we're all Mm -hmm. saying it. It's like, I know psychotic's not really a term that's used clinically anymore, but it's kind of psychotic behavior. If she's starting to now more and more get off on people killing themselves or at least come to accept it as some natural process of what she's doing. I don't know. There's just a lot of that that false memories thing is is troubling to me. But the thing I noticed is they're always the same memories for everyone she experiences. Well, your parents have betrayed you and you don't like this. You've been ritually abused. You've been ritually abused by family members, by people you know, and this, this, and this. Every single person. Mm-hmm. That's like Barbara Snow 101. Oh, yeah, satanic
1: sex cult. Duh. I was going to say there's that one scene where there's other practitioners that are not teal who are supposedly channeling, but I will say role playing this one girl's parents and herself. They were other participants. I know. The, the participants, participants were
2: asked to channel a family member. And she's like, This is the actual family member that <gasps> you are channeling. Sorry, yes. I totally and, just but, ran over you, Beverly.
1: But no, it's okay, cause it, cause there, it, it's. I get it, I get it. I, I, I I'm enthusiastic too. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, there, then one of the participants is like, um, you know, when I was in there, I just felt like there might have been some bad touch, and I'm like, why the fuck would you say that? <laughs> and then. And then the other, and then everyone, like the emperor's new clothes, and then everyone starts agreeing. And Teal's there in the door like, yup. Like she's Mm -hmm. smiling at this whole thing. And this poor woman is just collapsing because now she's like, did my brother abuse me? Did my parents abuse my
0: brother? Like, I just wanted to strangle everyone, honestly, other than the, the woman. I think I remember the poor girl. Wasn't there a thing with, like, using a poison, like frog poison or needles or something? Oh, that, that, she that was, was gonna... Gracie
1: or Grassy. Again, I'm not oh, okay. totally sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Tia, Tia said Grassy, but I've never heard that before, so I just don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it was with her. In fact, I wrote notes about that. I'm like, Grassy is saying to you how horrible she feels, and you, an unlicensed person, are putting psychedelics into this woman. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it's going to do. And it, it. some people can have really bad reactions to, to psychotropic drugs, or yes. uh, uh, excuse me, psych- psychedelic drugs. But again,
2: this is very powerful. And this is a ancient, powerful technique that we have to come back to because of the level of trauma we need to heal. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what it all comes back to, desperate times, desperate measures. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. This unqualified person is now turning to people who are all in distress that's why you paid three thousand dollars to come to costa rica by the way they have to go to costa rica because utah kicked her out and said you can't do your shitty retreats here anymore
1: Right? literally mormons kicked you
2: out the, (laughs) the heart of mormonism is like you're too crazy for us get the fuck out of our state Holy, that's why she's in Costa Rica doing. I mean, she doesn't live there, but that's why her retreats are all there. Right. She's, anyway, it's,
0: it's almost like it's putting your money in the Caymans. <laughs> I, I, yeah, somebody,
2: yeah. I think it was on Sinister Hood, but somebody was like, it was like improv. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing was basically like, okay, turn to your partner. You're now a therapist. What do you think is going on here? You're having traumatized, hurt people. Now having to pretend they're therapists and your pretend therapy
0: retreat. Yes, yes, so, yeah. I wanted to punch everybody, but mostly her. People who have been through intense therapy, especially dealing with PTSD or you know trauma of any kind, this is very serious and delicate and difficult work by licensed professionals. Specific types of therapy that yeah. that help people actually guide you to revisit your trauma and confront it. And, and, you know, I have friends that have gone through this with actual psychiatrists and psychologists. And Mm -hmm. even in that controlled professional environment, it was hard. It was really hard work to go through those sessions and come through on the other side. It took a lot of time. It took years in many cases for them to finally come to a better place. And here is this hack coming down here and putting this fake-ass workshop together for this fake-ass bullshit so she can have a power trip and make Mm -hmm. a few bucks. And, And she stated to Tori in the early part of the article, she just talked about like how her goal was wealth. She wanted to be, or not wealth, was fame. She wanted to be like Ellen or Oprah or like these big names. She wanted to be famous. And now she kind of is, but it's even worse because at least like TV personalities... They're under more control. Usually when you're on the internet, there's none. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm.
2: The Pope. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I forgot. To heck with all that. She wants to be more influential than the Pope. Yeah. Yeah. Literally
2: words out of her mouth in the first episode,
0: you know, and with the internet, all things are possible. I mean, I know the Pope is on Twitter now and all, but I, I just don't know that he's got the the poll. I don't know that he gets the engagement <laughs> numbers the way that uh, the, the way that she does. But I think it's a little disturbing by the way that she referred to mm-hmm. Leslie as her first client lost to suicide as if, are there more?
1: <laughs> and, and also was this person your friend or not? Like yeah. I mean. Yeah. And hear me, I'm I'm a big ball of emotions and sensitivity, so it's like she is just my antithesis in every way, so oh, it's just absolutely.
2: very hard.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, all of us here.
2: If you're using the term client, you're acknowledging that you are performing therapy. Yeah. Again, for which we can't state this enough that you are not licensed, and that is the issue. I think if you take anything away, that is the main issue. Is she is doing you know, that's like saying we can let anyone practice law we can let anyone be a doctor and perform surgery there are certain professions mm-hmm. that need to be regulated you can be in that profession and abuse it barbara snow it's yeah. still possible but there right. are repercussions
0: right and she has had her license revoked several times yeah. I mean, she's probably she's getting, getting them back there. it's sort of like Ugh. um uh, doctor uh doctor death um was like dunch i think was his last name the spinal surgeon who um oh, mutilated the and who, you know look bunch of people inside of people <laughs> yeah oh yeah He he, he ended up a uh, Killing himself too, but um, when he finally was getting caught, I believe. But but he spent decades escaping repercussions because he was able to kind of move through the system, uh, in such a way that he couldn't be evaluated or or tried or whatever. It took a lot of people from within his own profession to finally band together and say, We're taking this guy down. That's what it ultimately took because of all the red tape and bureaucracy. You can kind of use that to protect yourself from repercussions, however, as you said, Chris. There are absolutely, there are so many people nowadays, especially on the internet, because of the internet, they are dunning Krugering themselves into a place of where they aren't fucking qualified to be. I am the first person to say, and I, I mean, from the first episode of this show, and it'll be on the last episode of the show, whenever that is, that I am not an expert. And that I am bringing all the receipts that I can bring and I bring it with the realm of, of a just an average person who wants to share knowledge that I've gathered. And please check my knowledge. Please disagree with me. Please, you know, tell me what you think. I am not uh, a licensed anything uh, other than a driver. And so <laughs> um, that's the only license I ever got in my life was a driver's license. But but she is not Behaving that way, and a lot of people think that they can just read about it online and just become an expert in something. And people fall for that shit all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's we put a lot of uh, bias. I think there is a particular bias that we use that that we uh, assign authority uh, to people that are just presenting themselves as an authority figure in something, even if they aren't. Um, appeal to authority might even be, and that mm-hmm. might not be quite right, but. Ultimately, I don't know how she's getting away with just practicing what she's practicing without a license because she is combining psychology with spirituality in a dangerous mix. And they don't, those two things do not belong together. I'm sorry. They just do not. One is a science and one is a faith-based thing. I mean, there needs to be proven methods that can be studied.
2: They can be looked at in clinical trials. They can look at long-term effects through longitudinal studies. That is what. A behavioral sciences it's not a hard science. we're talking about people with complicated mm-hmm. thoughts feelings, emotions and neurochemistry and all that stuff. yeah but nevertheless you apply those same scientific methods. there ain't nothing like that. And all she's done is cobbled together knowledge from a bunch of sources, repackaged it and said, here's my book. here's my philosophy. I mean you you can go through again talk about receipts. you can go through and see all the things that she's basically, It's like a a kid who, oh, I didn't do my book report. So they go online, they grab a sentence here, they grab a thing here, they tweak a few words and they're like, I had an original thought. Nope, that's basically what she's done and- Again, you see it time and again and like in her books and then her videos. It's like, oh, she's basically lifting from this. She's basically taking from this author, this philosophy, whatever. There's no
0: originality to anything that she's doing here. I, I completely agree. And I, I gotta say too, I feel like this is very much an offshoot. And all of this kind of guru stuff, I think it 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 comes from ultimately, it, it comes from a lot of places, but I think it, it's it comes ultimately from a lack of access to proper healthcare. I feel like if people could honestly get on the phone and make an appointment with a therapist easily, I am an insured person. I've I've had medical insurance uh, for many years. It's decent. It's not the best, but it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's still really hard to get mental health care because, you know, there's all these co-pays. It's hard to find somebody in my network. You know, there's all these really confusing barriers. A lot of people don't even have insurance. So they're going to get online and they're going to look for this kind of stuff. Now, um, Beverly, you living in Canada, what's the system like up there for mental health?
1: Well, I can only speak to the province of Ontario because that's where I live. Uh, It is not included in OHIP, uh, sorry, uh, which is the Ontario Health whatever program. I forget what the I stands for. Insurance probably. (laughs) yeah uh, it's, it's not officially part of OHIP. uh it's it's something that if you want therapy you would have to have it covered under benefits or pay out of pocket now yeah. psychiatry being medical doctor if you can get a referral psychiatry would be included right uh, because i'm new to canada relatively i actually have still struggled to find adequate uh, health care
0: and honestly i feel like i've heard this from people in other countries it's not strictly american i feel like it is a greed versus um a taboo we still treat mental health needs a stigma a stick yeah they're very sticky. even to this very day i mean um you know we're our generation and beyond maybe we're getting a little better about it or we believe in it but getting it (laughs) is is the next obstacle right so and and then you get into the people who villainize it Mm -hmm. you know which is actually true in a lot of these cults i will also say Absolutely. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's competition. what teal does. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't have you see in a shrink. That'll take a, away from my you know base. Yeah. So- oh no,
2: that, that's a good point, Beverly. Like, that's the reason Teal won't refer Amir or someone like that to a doctor because her whole premise is Western medicine, traditional medicine, or not traditional, but you know, doctors and that whole system failed her. Psychotherapy was a failure. No one could help her. They made her worse, right? So, like, that's her that's the bread and butter of her argument. What I find very comical, uh, and it's not funny, ultimately, is what is it about our heads that we don't want to insure? Our teeth and our eyes yeah. have weird, weird insurance. And then our brain, the most important like part of our body, the executive function, there's something about the head we just don't want to insure. What is going on? It's so weird. Dental
1: is not covered under a either.
2: No. Oh really?
0: It's also not in the NHS uh, wow. over in the UK.
1: It, it's a separate thing. There are people who are pushing to have it covered and I personally do believe it should be. Mm-hmm. Um I'm lucky that my husband's a teacher and has awesome insurance. So I get what he need. But uh there's plenty of people that are not going to the dentist here in Ontario either for the same reason. They don't have coverage and it's expensive. Well, think
0: about it this way: your your head that contains your teeth, eyes, and brain. Um, <laughs> it is the most delicate. Usually, and ex- and usually, usually, <laughs> yeah. It contains the the most delicate parts of you that's expensive and that's risky. And if you are an insurance company who is holding all the purse strings, then yeah, you're going to do everything you can. And it's like a a homeowner's insurance, not wanting to cover water damage, you know, or, or, or like, this is an act of God that's out of our hands and, you know, but we can cover this because it's cheaper. You know, when you have those things standing in your way, and then on top of that, the stigma of admitting that I need mental health help. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think we all kind of do our part. Beverly, you've talked about your ADHD. That's why I talk about mm-hmm. my anxiety and depression issues. It's like, the more we talk about this stuff, hopefully it just becomes normalized and that we all are dealing with something and that occasionally we may need to take a pill or talk to somebody or whatever. And and it's like, if people had that, then I don't think they, they would need to reach out to people like teal swan actually and you know what you're right and i think there always will be
1: people who will be searching for this kind of thing i mean Mm -hmm. again i think there's certain human wirings that some people have oh yeah where they want they want to have the guru you know kind of a thing however i do think it'd be fewer people i think you're absolutely right
0: oh yeah to answer the question that has been plaguing us since the beginning of this discussion in the last episode is this a cult fuck yeah it is yeah, it is. <laughs> and admittedly, I came into this believing that I haven't been dissuaded.
2: <laughs> so, and can we be more specific about it too? So sure. like hero of the deep end, Molly Monaghan, mm-hmm.
0: you Molly! know,
2: she <laughs> says, I went through that bite model, right? Which the is the bite model.
0: Oh, I referenced it in the
2: Yeah. Behavior, information, thought, and emotion. And it's looking at those items. And I think where she said there was a question mark was about causing people to kill themselves. She couldn't make that causal link or that strong enough correlation, but every other thing else, it was like, check, 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 check. And I think you only need to wait a little longer, a few more years. We'll get the rest of it. So, yeah. And it's like, you know, you mentioned this earlier, like, well, oh, she has our inner circle. That's where the cult really is. And then you get more fringe on the outskirts, but that's honestly how a lot of cults are oh, yeah. arranged. So it's, it's no different than any others. Like I, it's there right now, but to your point, mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. to say, like, it's not going to continue to grow. And I think what we're missing is we we don't have to go to a compound in the middle of nowhere. No, we can talk to the internet (laughs) in this economy. (laughs) Who
0: who can afford real estate? (laughs) Crying out loud. Ain't nobody Uh, got
2: money or property for that. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like and I think that's where a lot of us are struggling. And that's why I kind of feel like this is a cult 2.0. This to me, this and QAnon are a primer for what a modern day cult could look like. Mm. And it's not Probably as like well defined, it's a little squishier. So this comes from uh it's Stephen Hassan. Oh, he's great. I mentioned him in an um episode maybe um, in the primer there. episode. Yeah, right? I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, he uh he was in a cult, he was in um wasn't he in um Unification. Oh, he was in the Church? Moonies. oh that's right. Yeah, the mentioned moonies, him. Yeah, the Moonies, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah, right, 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 So just I mean, just really quickly, again, because I, let's be specific and not just be like it's a cult, we're done. Mm-hmm. So right. cults instill many uh, doctrinal beliefs. Here are the 10 core ones the doctrine is reality? What do we think?
1: Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. She even thinks she knows what people are thinking it, that they aren't even thinking, but yeah, so well, yeah. I mean, she
2: can see their bones. So obviously, Beverly,
1: she can
0: manipulate electromagnetic fields. I mean, yeah, duh. Duh. Hello. Anyway, sorry. yeah, go ahead.
2: <laughs> reality is black and white, good yes. versus evil,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, elitist mentality.
0: Oh, I don't oh, know. I mean, you.
2: come to my retreat in Costa Rica. I have no superiors or mentors because I'm the <laughs> best. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, group will over individual will. Yes. Mm-hmm. Strict obedience, modeling mm-hmm. the leader. Yep. Well, the non-negotiables, right? Mm-hmm. There was that whole thing. Yep. Happiness through good performance. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Manipulation through fear and guilt. Anyone? What? No. Anyone? No. Blake, okay. Blake
0: would never agree. Poor Blake with no. his dead fish and oh, you know, oh my a god, beat. poor Blake.
2: The fish broke me. Like when the fish, I was like, that was the final thing that broke me. I was like, this poor me fucking too. guy can't get a break. Yeah,
1: I actually wondered if she poisoned the fish or if they just died because they do die easily. But she's also a terrible person.
2: Yeah. Listen, I would not be shocked. No, I would not be shocked. Emotional highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't know what this means. Changes in time orientation.
0: I think it's the way you get to spend your time. Like, so, oh. for instance, you know, you're not going to go out to the movies. You're not going to go see your family. You're not going to go to Germany to visit your new in-laws. Yes. There's no leisure travel. Actually, that <laughs> whole the whole confrontation scene, the final confrontation scene between her and Blake. Because Blake, for people who haven't mm-hmm. seen this yet, he was basically, they started out um they she'd known him since she was about 18 19 years old and she came to live with him and then they dated romantically for about a year year and a half and then they broke it off but stayed really good friends and he was basically her, like her main man like her right hand guy um the face of Everything, everywhere that she went, he was there, and he facilitated so many things. And then he decided he wanted to start a relationship with someone else. And she, again, she was kind of pulling that ex girlfriend manipulation game. Like, oh, she, yeah you know, the fuck out. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and yeah. so when Juliana showed up, they tried to integrate her in. teal tried, but I feel like that was like doomed to fail from well, the so get. Sitting there, she's like, "Can
2: I be blunt with you? You're my adversary."
0: Like, you know, oh, she's yeah. doing the whole thing, like. Yeah.
2: Oh, I I know what you're all about here. And this is a closed circle, you know, like all her bullshit where she speaks in that again, that assertive clipped confident way and basically just trying to rip this woman apart. And I felt like Juliana, it seemed like really tried to integrate herself into the group. Ultimately, she was looking out for the people who were there. And that's a disservice to looking out for teal and oh boy
1: yeah exactly i actually oh god i wrote um <clears throat> very cult typical call out public shaming of juliana in front of the group also telling juliana she keeps insulting teal which has not at all happened that we've seen yeah and then when juliana says she hasn't teal says yes you do you have a smirk on your face juliana mm. doesn't spoil And and uh-huh. then she says i can see it in your energy field but and then juliana says she's afraid Mm. and teal says you should be oh she sure does does. Oh she sure does
0: you should be it just pops right out and i i was just like and i was so happy that blake finally decided to break free because in the article tori wrote she talked about how she was in conversation with blake this was before all that and She was trying to get him to meet her to talk to her about everything that's been going on and see if she can get him to, to, you know, leave and, you know, and all this. And Teal was like in the background during these phone conversations, like talking him down, like, no, you are not going and, you know, freaking out. And he never did um, meet with her. So at that point, he was still very highly resistant, still very being her point man. And so, really, he was in an abusive relationship with he her. He really was. Yeah. He was so manipulated. And the fact that he decided to leave, and thank God he had. Juliana, I don't think he ever would have been able to no. leave mm-hmm. otherwise. And I'm glad he, not only did he leave, he left the fucking country. They went, they went to think, Germany. <laughs> I think he experienced
2: actual love. Yes. He experienced what an actual supporting partner is and was like, oh, fuck, that's what this is. I had <laughs> yeah, forgotten. He seems like
1: he's not really a bad guy, honestly. Right. I, no. I think that he, I'm not saying that he's innocent of any wrongdoing, but he clearly sure. was very manipulated and very, he was trapped. He wasn't allowed to oh go anywhere. She, she isolated him and, uh, yeah, like the, one of the last times you see him in the deep end, he's laying in just this mossy grass and just literally, he's literally touching, touching grass.
0: Yeah. He <laughs> and, went to and grass. Uh, and,
1: and, and it's like, he almost doesn't,
0: it's like he's, he's pondering what does freedom mean now? I've only in my adult life known Teal. I mean, really from adult age and she was married once before, Um, and
1: that's who she has her son with five times. Uh, Oh, she said in in the DI again, I I just watched it today. She said something like, Oh, I've had five marriages, and I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's a sign of a healthy. She's only 38 years old. I know she's like 10 years younger than me, or nine years
0: younger than me. I've only been married twice, y'all. Man, (laughs) damn, that's exhausting. Damn. I mean, I, I have family and you know stuff that have been married multiple times, but I just think about that. I'm like, damn, that's exhausting. But you know, like she also cast her ex-husband, uh, his name, she named him Fallon. Uh, she took his real name, told him to change it to Fallon. Cause that's his alien name or whatever. And then and that's the person she had her kid with. And then, um, after that relationship ended, she called him a psychopath and all these things, too. Like, basically, she did. trashed his reputation pretty bad. Yeah. And Tori said that he's actually not at all a psychopath, you know, she was very much like, this was, this is a terrible thing that she did to him, but that's a problem. You can't believe a word she says. And this is
2: what everyone says about her. Uh, Just to wrap up that list real quick about uh, doctrinal beliefs, Mm -hmm. no way out. I think we've already clarified that one. No way out. So again, cults instill many beliefs here, are the 10 core ones common in many cults. You've got all that. And then just the last thing I I would like to say about this, which is uh, I tried to bring a little bit of receipts Mm -hmm. because I wanted to look at this objectively and not just be like, let me jump on the bandwagon. Right. And so I was looking more um, through, again, this is from Hassan, but he has a classification. It's a psychotherapy educational cult.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me read mm-hmm. this.
2: These groups tend to recruit through self-help or empowerment seminars, which often cost thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. They ensure people have emotional breakthroughs or other peak experiences during recruitment. So they come back for more. An example
0: Nexium. I was just going to say Nexium. (laughs) Yep.
2: Focuses on improving mental health and relationships of its members, moving them toward integration. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I don't know anything really about Nexium, but it sounds like to me this is a category where I see a firm slot.
0: Yeah. Nexium only really differentiates in that it was a MLM, a multi level marketing scheme combined with that, combined with a sex cult. um, And that (laughs) they they had. (laughs) Of course it was. You got to <laughs> diversify your portfolio, people. You well, can't the thing just about be one kind that Many people could uh, t- uh, rise to the level of like educator if they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars that you could become a guru yourself. And so then the money and then the money you make from that is passed down through the level. So it has that, whereas Teal doesn't do that. It just all flows to her. But oh, yeah, because she's not out just for money. She's out for the narcissistic supply.
2: <laughs> oh, Yeah.
0: I can't see how that it just doesn't fit into it. And Chris, you also watched um, a little bit or something on the document. There was another documentary we haven't even mentioned yet.
1: Oh, open shadow,
0: open shadow. Um, and that's the one that Teal, it was like a fluff piece basically that Teal had made about herself. And I think this was before the deep end, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah. I think it is a little bit older. Um, I, I was telling Allison cause she was like, Oh, she has, there's basically like, there's a documentary that's pro teal. And there's this other one that I wouldn't say is anti teal. I would say it was, it's, you know, true teal, It's
1: real teal, It's real teal. teal. It is
2: real teal <laughs> for sure. And so I was like, I'll, 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 try to stomach watching some of it, but of course it's not out there and available. Cause it's behind paywalls. Cause of course it would oh. be, I was like, duh, what an idiot. Like, like, it's just going to be on YouTube for free.
1: And yeah, it, it is definitely older. It's from 2017. 2017, okay.
2: Okay. But just watching the like two and a half minute trailer, I mean, again, it looks very empowering. It looks very positive. Knowing all this stuff about her, I still watch it and I'm like, I get why people get hooked in. I really Mm -hmm. do. I Mm -hmm. really do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think ultimately what this comes down to, and, and while I don't want to say that all spiritual uh, movements, especially alternative ones or or anything mm-hmm. are cults, because that's not true, I will say caution, extreme caution about involving yourself in with anybody who claims to be a guru or influencer, spiritual influencer mm-hmm. of any kind, especially if it's catering to a large group of people. I would say just avoid that equation and you will probably avoid finding yourself in a cultish situation, especially in something like this, if you need mental health help, you're going to reach a level of diminishing returns going mm-hmm. down this path. You might read or see a couple of videos that inspire you and make you think, but I would say just, uh, treat it like a, like a very strong drug or, or something that's more toxic by the dose.
1: And speaking of cultish, let's go back briefly to the Amanda Montel book. If I yeah, may,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: One thing that that book really did, perhaps the thing that I remember it or or, uh, that stands out in my mind the most is she talked about how, in reality, people who tend to get drawn into cults like this or groups like this are actually very optimistic people. Mm -hmm. They're actually people who really think like, oh, there's a way I'm going to get better. There's a way I'm going to change. It actually gave me a lot more empathy because Mm -hmm. I used to be like, God, how could you get into that? How could you let that happen? And two things happened that helped me empathize better. Well, one was my own experience at that strangely cult like publisher. And and (laughs) the other was reading cultish. uh, Because once I saw, oh, they've studied this, they've looked at this, it it really isn't what we think. Teal Swan doesn't start from day one abusing people. Like, you know, if you're going to get to that inner circle, it's been a long period of time get to that mm-hmm. point yeah. and and your boundaries can be broken down little by little by little by it's little the uh,
0: the frog in the in the slowly boiling water um yeah. metaphor mm-hmm. right um yeah. if, by the time you realize that you're in you know that it's too hot it's too mm-hmm. late and uh, you're going to need some help getting out or some deep programming mm-hmm. steven hassan by the way who did that bite model um he's he's now um kind of a, a master of, of helping people recover um, from cult experiences. And has a great website. And he's a great Twitter follow. And, and as much as Twitter is useful at all these days, and uh, he's done a lot of important work in this, him and uh, Rick Allen Ross, who I've quoted his book, um cults inside out a few times on uh, in this series. So there are a lot of great resources. I'll make sure I have links to all that in the show notes as well as, you know, again with the receipts. There there are so many. I think that's really the amazing thing about this. There are so many receipts that it really makes debate on this topic kind of kind of performative because because it's like how do you else do you explain this shit <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> in some ways i mean yeah we can twist it around a little bit to make it seem a little more benign than it actually is but when you see all the other ways that teal has manipulated people and her close inner circle and the way that people have talked about it those are the people i'm going to listen to uh, mm-hmm. first and foremost the people that know her best I think I mentioned that documentary, "The Gateway," um, mm-hmm. in the last episode when Jennings Brown, the producer of that, was um, on the cultish episode. Um, I'm sorry, in the sounds like a cult episode about Teal Swan with Amanda mm. Montel, and mm. he talked about how when he first uh, was started writing about his experiences after like watching a lot of the videos and talking to her personally and all this, mm-hmm. and he starts writing his article for Gizmodo. And his editor was like, you need to stop. You're starting to fall into this. Like, (gasps) yeah, he was, he was really like getting into it and they had to kind of pull him back from the threshold, even though he was approaching this as objectively as he could. I'm really glad he had someone to do that for him. Yes, exactly. Because his Mm -hmm. girlfriend at the time. He was telling her what he was investigating and doing, and she became a follower. That relationship since ended, she is a strong teal follower and, you know, she'll see her, he'll see her posting teal stuff on social media and stuff. So it just goes to show how easy it can be to fall in with something like this, depending on what your needs are emotionally in the moment, what state you happen to be in. And going back to what you said, Beverly, and, you know, I I mentioned this in the, in the primer episode, I mentioned it before that every single one of us has a capability of being pulled in. It's just a matter of finding that right trigger. And so being aware of what it looks like and, you know, the signs and the dangers to look for, I think are so important because there is no one particular person that is mm-hmm. like cult ready we all are so um yeah using compassion and empathy and understanding that and helping be on the lookout for people close to you that might be falling in you can't save everyone um don't don't put that on your shoulders but um mm-hmm. but also protect yourself and we'll talk about the boundaries you know <laughs> erect those
1: boundaries <laughs> and that honestly is the key you yeah. know My husband actually says that you wouldn't even have sitcoms if people just had boundaries. Like if the characters had boundaries, you wouldn't even, sitcoms wouldn't even exist. And and, you know, frankly,
0: that's also true of cults. (laughs) That's very, very true. Very true. Um, But yeah, then there's so much more. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface, but combined, I think we've talked, you know, a, a few hours about this topic and I swear if you go, and listen to a lot of the podcast. What was the podcast again, Chris, that you listened to was the stories of um, uh, Mormon, Mormon stories, podcast, Mormon stories, mm-hmm. podcast, listen to the gateway. The sounds like a cult Sinisterhood. Those are the podcasts offhand, but there are many more. And these are
2: all from 2022. So that's the other thing too. This is all very current because deep end came out. I think uh, just about a year ago. Yeah, like it, it was mm-hmm. in May. And then the sinister hood, the Mormon stories all came out after that. And Mm -hmm. so like they're incorporating that into some of their discussions.
0: And then this is a growing. And as I said before, it's a growing and active situation. This is something that, you know, it she's continuing to evolve. And and what I'm finding is um, in a lot of people that have been tracking, what's been happening with Teal ever since that documentary came out is that she has released a, a number of rebuttal videos, of course but she has. Of course she has. Yeah. And then, but also a lot of her talks have started to get behind deeper paywalls and a lot of her content is behind a paywall. Excuse me, burping on my own show. Um, <laughs> God dang Coca-Cola. Um, but a lot of her stuff has gone behind paywall. She's become more insular. Now, what's interesting about
1: you saying that it's more isolated and Mm -hmm. cut off is that actually goes along with your theory of where this may potentially go. Yes.
0: Yes. That's very interesting. And it's not often we get to kind of witness, um, you know, things evolving in mm-hmm. real time. Um, and I don't intend to sit and monitor her, but I do think don't I'm know. I'm gonna be checking in to Reddit mm-hmm. and a few other cult watch type groups because I, I feel like this is one that um her end game is not good for anybody.
1: And she probably doesn't even know what her end game is yet. No. Oh, because God. she she also again she lacks deeply lacks self awareness. Like you you need two hands to count how many times she accuses people of things that she's the one doing. Yeah you know, in just in that doc alone. And and I think to your
2: point, there's no end game because it's always in service of her own ego and feeding the narcissism. And so if that's your only purpose, there's no goal in mind other than attention
0: to continue siphoning it off. It's a, it's an endless well, it's you'll never run out. It's like a drug addiction. The more you use it, the Mm -hmm. more you get, you know, the more you need,
2: and then the more desperate measures. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's, what's going to happen here is it's, Exactly what you said. It's desperate measures as her detractors become more vocal and there's more stories out there about, you know, that.
0: It's definitely not going to be a Jonestown and Guiana situation, probably because, again, yeah. in this economy, but at the same time, maybe Costa Rica, who knows. Um, but I, but I am saying, you know, because that's the most visible and historic version of a of a suicide. Yeah. Called, but we're taking on some of that flavor in the inner circle. Like it, it is that layered mm-hmm. thing. And so even if you feel like, oh, I just, you know, I just look at her Facebook post or her Instagram. I don't I'm not really in it. Well, that's fine. But there are just keep in mind that if you are doing that, that, that there are, are a lot of people further in and any kind of engagement that you give her only elevates her place. And potentially monetizes her. Absolutely. Um. So, so be careful with that. Um, I, I would you know, definitely recommend putting several layers between you and, and her and the direct source when you're researching this stuff, because mm-hmm. I, I I definitely don't want to feed the demon. So
2: the last thing I would like to say is I don't think any of us are here with a, a purpose of tearing her down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is we don't want vulnerable people at their most desperate hour being taken advantage of. Yes. Exactly or someone right. else to make the wrong decision, perhaps for their life, uh w- which would be to end it because of her influence. Whereas, you know, often that is just somebody who ultimately would want to choose life. Yes. And so, you know, th- that's I think that's really what it comes down to is minimizing the harm that she's doing. Yeah. Uh, it- it's not a it's not a tear down. It's not a takedown like we're not, You're exactly we're not trying to right. cancel that's her. Exactly
0: how I
1: feel. <laughs> I-, I felt like I wanted to protect those people. Yeah. And like, and and that is how I feel like it it breaks my heart because she's breaking families and she's breaking people. And
0: that's what bothers me. And, then, and if you could learn that, like, if you come to somebody with suicidal urges, and they're not ur- urging you to get immediate help, then that's the wrong person uh, to 100%. be seeking that kind of help from so please, you know, Uh, Dial 988 for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Uh, You know, speak to your doctor, speak to uh, anybody, you know, not her.
2: (laughs) Beverly, is there a Canadian uh, suicide prevention number to call? There is,
0: but I have no idea what the number
1: is. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Google (laughs) it no
2: no Dang, that's
1: why i wasn't saying anything chris thank you so much Oh, i'm sorry
2: i, I was trying to i was trying to you know no, not be know so u.s centric <laughs> darn it okay it's awesome. well no,
0: it's cut that, cut that. no look. Got i'm it. gonna i'm gonna have links to all that this is going to be the longest list of show notes i've ever had but i will definitely have links to resources for all that kind of information for people because i I really um i think more than in, in any of the other episodes when i talk about uh cults in retrospect you know look what this you know crazy group of people did you know and the mm-hmm. woods back in europe you know the, when i talked about the order of the solar temple that shit was wild but you know Whoa, this is this wild, is something yeah. where you know being a little more trying to be a little more accommodating and sensitive to something that's going on and 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 making sure that people who uh are vulnerable are getting that help and not trying to get it from someone who is basically a um, uh, if she is an alien she's not a very nice one so
2: that's why you need to title this episode if she is an alien she's not a very nice
0: one <laughs> i love that <laughs> If only we had Mulder and Scully here. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, my friends. Well, Beverly, um, I want to take another opportunity to thank you for coming on uh, and talking about this. You're, you are a great presence here. And um, and I would also like for you to tell people more about your, sure. your publicity business, your book publicity. So, uh,
1: Yeah, no, I've been doing it for more than 10 years now on my own, even, before, even after the publisher. Uh, I work mostly with horror, uh, science fiction, mystery, crime, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also consult on any topic, uh, nice. you know, or any genre or topic. Um, I don't know. I just, I have this massive network because I'm an inveterate extrovert who likes to go to conventions. So, like, I know everyone. I know people. So that's people. why I'm a good publicist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And honestly, I, I try to think, like, how did I even meet you? I have no goddamn clue. I'll I mean, tell you, actually, <laughs> because... <laughs> I, can re- I remember because
1: oh. it was, uh, we, well, we had the mutual friends on Facebook and I noticed other people were talking about like, I don't remember MLMs or true crime or something. Oh. And you and I like had some similar thoughts. Oh. and, then I, and then, But then I read the other Mrs. Miller and I was like, Oh my gosh that was actually really interesting and a little different from a lot of other thrillers and in, in some kind of twisted ways which made me love you by the way oh, um, and then I was like well maybe we should just be friends and so I like friended you on Facebook and you were like okay and then we just kind of started talking and that was it so it was kind of me it. just again being extroverted I was like ah, be my friend
0: <laughs> I love that I appreciate it I'm so glad you did that I really Aww. really am and, and you know everybody knows how Chris and I met in high school so you know but uh Chris you're you're getting about halfway through season three of 80s high. Is that right? I'm coming up on the end. No, the Uh, end. You're right. I'm sorry. My our time. We're kind of in the
2: well, okay, maybe not the end. We're in the home stretch. We got a couple more months left. But yeah, we're I mean We record based on the school year because it's, you know, 80s high. It's like uh, going back to high school. So mm-hmm. we're going to wrap up in June. So there are still many episodes to come. And, and, uh, and yeah, then I, some might, fun topics I might be on there. one
0: pretty soon. You know, You're going to be on
2: a, this season again. Keep that an is ear true. open.
0: I will. Yeah, yes. we're, we're cooking something up. So um, absolutely. and I will, as we get closer to that date, I will absolutely let people know. It's and,
2: a very fun topic. I'm so oh, looking forward to oh,
0: it. <laughs> I can't wait. We're not revealing it. You're just going to have to wait. <laughs> I was going to ask, I was like, what's the topic? Okay. Okay, we'll tell you off. off, Yeah, um. we will tell you, but
2: I'll just say this much. It's not an 80s topic almost anyone ever talks about. I'm not saying it hasn't come up before, but like as an 80s topic, I don't know that it's ever come up before, but it's going to be so fun. It's so good. And everyone will probably, well, if you were live back then, you'll probably know what it is. Anyway, that's my (laughs) teaser, my string of teasers.
0: Well, everybody tune into Chris's podcast, 80s High, he and his co-host Ben are fantastic. It is a great 80s nostalgia show. Um, so many great topics, it'll just put you in a, a great mind space. I, I, I consider it one of my favorite road trip um, podcasts because I can just kind of immerse myself in it, and they're usually a good length. And so I'm, I'm always happy to just pop those on and listen. to Ben and Chris yelling at my car stereo if Ben is forgetting a fact that I know. So um, yeah, and, and it's an <laughs> antidote after listening to a lot of ding dong
2: darkness and a lot of cults and true crime. You're like, I just need a palate cleanser. Yeah, it's, it's a joyful yeah. nostalgia stream. Exactly. So, it's a the yin it's a, and yang.
0: It's the perfect school if you want to go back to school. So that's right. Um, all right. guys well thank you so much again and and if you have any other questions about seal swan cults or anything at all or you just want to leave me a comment or you know correct anything we've said or whatever. Cause I know people have definitely have opinions on this. Uh, feel free to reach out to me at dddarkness time at gmail.com. Uh, go ahead and leave a review on Apple. I would absolutely love that. Um, and there's a lot more stuff and news, uh, new news and new developments and everything always coming from this show all the time. Things are growing and changing very rapidly. So I'm excited and I hope y'all come back uh, for whatever I'm bringing at you next week. So until then later taters. Oh, be good, little ding dongs. Ding dong Darkness Time has been brought to you and produced by yours truly, Allison Dixon. It was made possible by an array of amazing co hosts, friends, family, but especially you, the listeners. Big shouts also go out to the brilliant Nathaniel Dixon for the show art and future legend Spencer Morlock for all the music. I'll be back again soon with another episode. In the meantime, be good, you little ding dongs.